Integration Platform as a Service is a suite of cloud services enabling development, execution, and governance of integration flows, connecting any combination of on-prem and cloud-based processes, services, applications, and data within individual or across multiple organizations. In the Critical Capabilities for Enterprise Integration Platform as a Service report, Gartner says Enterprise IPaaS is foundational for supporting application and data integration and increasingly used for B2B integration and API management. Just exactly how CIOs of businesses interpret and implement IPaaS is part of our discussion today with Ajit Melarkode, Vice President, Asia-Pacific and Japan at Bumi. Ajit, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Good morning, Alan. Delighted to be here. Okay, let's start the ball rolling. So what exactly is IPaaS and what role does it play in advancing the digital transformation or future-proofing of businesses? Hey, Alan, as we discussed just before the start of the session, I'm not one for, you know, jargon. So I know there's a lot of jargon floating around in the industry today about how everybody's going to do digital transformation. They're going to use blockchain and AI and then throw RPA into the mix. There's a lot of jargon. So to keep it really simple, think about iPads as almost like Velcro strips connecting different kinds of applications. So if you want to connect your legacy applications to each other, if you want to connect your cloud applications to each other, if you want to connect your legacy applications, to your cloud applications. And as a consequence of doing that, you get one view of the data, you connect teams, you connect subsidiaries, connect different companies in your group. You can do it in multiple ways, Alan. You could either do it as bespoke code by your team. You could do it as bespoke code using external consultancies. You could use old school ways of integration like ESBs, or you could use iPads, which as I outlined, think of it as pre-built connectors for 1500 plus applications. And where there are no pre-built connectors, there are SDKs that allow you to you know, deploy and build your own connectors between applications that you might have homegrown. So you can stick together different applications, whether they're legacy applications that you've grown in-house or SaaS packages which are on the cloud, you can stick them together very, very easily using the iPaaS platform. In Asia specifically, your experience, is iPaaS something that's relatively new or as an idea relative to what the other aspects that you mentioned mean, the other ways of going about integrating applications and data? Oh, absolutely. Let me answer you straight to the point. So iPaaS is very, very well known and very commonly used in EMEA and uh, and North America. Not so in Asia. It's just catching on. And, and thankfully, it is catching on very, very fast. The second thing is, if you look at, uh, you know, iPaaS versus the other ways, I think there are some ways that are kind of old school and they are kind of not complementary. So let's say, you know, ESBs or using a lot of high code. You know, I loved your post on, you know, everybody switching to low code in, in APJ. But there are some ways that are complementary. So, for example, systems integrators are finding that when they use iPaaS for their customers, they can do many more projects for their customers because it's so easy to stick together applications, for want of a better phrase. Uh, so um, they can get into many more functions, many more subsidiaries, and generate a lot more value for their customers. So iPaaS is catching on very, very quickly. But to be really straight, I think it's relatively less well-known compared to North America and Europe. But as I say, that's being very, very quickly corrected. If you look at options for enterprises, for CIOs and seeking ways to integrate the applications and data across this hybrid environment that they're in, what critical pain points would fit well using an iPaaS as a way to solve those critical pain points? 
Yeah, sure. So number one, it's removing the jargon from this, right? So I think that's one of the challenges that CFOs and COOs have flagged, you know, to me. They they want to make sense of it very, very rapidly. Let me clarify what I mean by this. If you look at cloud, for example, you and I both know how much of, you know, back of airline pocket information was circulating on cloud, what kind of myths were circulating, security around the cloud, etc. So similarly, there's a lot of jargon floating around right now on what is digital transformation, what is not. How do you make this quickly happen now? Number one. Number two, as you pointed out at the start, data is really important. So how do you get a single reliable source of the truth on data across your teams, across your functions, across your applications? Depending on which application you query, you might get a different version of the, of the, of the truth on the same thing that you're trying to query. That's the second challenge. The third challenge is skill sets. So you talked a little bit earlier about, hey, legacy applications and banks. CXOs often tell me, hey, if I want to modernize my application landscape and I want to go from legacy to cloud, on average, you know, we think that we can take about 20 applications to the cloud. So if we have on average 200 applications, it's going to take us 10 years to modernize. So if I look at each of these pain points, iPaaS removed the jargon from all of this. It's, uh, you know, the, especially the Boomi iPaaS platform. It's a low code platform. It uses a graphical interface, which means you can have citizen integration, i.e. people who don't have IT skills just pointing and clicking uh, and connecting different applications, connecting different data. Number two, we've removed the jargon from it in terms of making the platform point out using our AI. I mean, we do billions of integrations. Uh, We've got 12,000 plus customers. So based on the information that we have from the integrations, which by the way is completely anonymized, we can suggest how to do integrations. We can suggest what pitfalls to avoid as people carry out these integrations using graphical interfaces. So again, we make it extremely easy to deploy the integration, to maintain the integration, And it's quite important to think about maintenance because a lot of integration modalities out there, including more complicated high-code platforms, you can implement the platform, but the next time another version comes in, for example, that's almost like re-platforming. It involves 12 to 16 month effort, millions of dollars of hidden costs that the CFO doesn't expect. Compared to that, you know, the Boomi iPaaS platform, we do continual upgrades every month. So you don't even notice, you know, the the re-platforming that's going on in the background. The third thing that we do as a consequence is we address the skill shortage. So given that we're low code, given that we're easy to use, easy to deploy, easy to maintain, that key gap area of, hey, where do I get my skills to make this happen is addressed. You started talking about low code. From what I understand, if you adopt one brand of low code or one app, uh, one one low code brand, say for example, Boomies, it is not easy for uh, the end user to migrate whatever you develop under Boomi into a different low code platform. Is that correct? So let me talk about it at two separate levels. So one is in general about the different iPaaS platforms and maybe the old school integrations. And let me talk specifically about Boomi as well. So if I talk about Boomi first, I don't think what you've characterized is is quite there. In the sense that Boomi is kind of unique in the industry in terms of we were born on the cloud, but then you can deploy our runtimes on-prem too. So we're completely, you know, platform agnostic in that sense. You can be on the cloud or you can be behind your firewall on-prem, either on your own premises or uh, on a third-party data center, you know, that you're using. Second is we're agnostic across infrastructure. So whether you're connecting DCs or connecting devices, whether you're connecting IoT devices, our technology really doesn't care. Uh, You know, we're largely built on Java, for example. So we, we really don't care. It's completely portable. Number three, you know, as I've said to you, in terms of the user interface, it's, 
itself. We're built based on graphical component-based design, which, as you know, is eminently reusable. In fact, it's probably even more reusable than APIs, which are touted for their reusability, which means that, again, it's highly portable, it's highly reusable, it's easy to deploy, easy to maintain. So we can just as easily deploy you know, in Boomi as you can leave because we're on-prem, we're on the cloud, we don't care about the devices, we have an easy graphical interface, we're built on graphical component-based design. And as I said to you, we have continual upgrades on a monthly basis, so you don't even notice what's going on in the background. Now, if I switch gears and talk about the first bucket, which is the industry in general, I don't think you can apply this to a lot of other platforms that are out there. So there are monolithic platforms running off ESBs, or there are platforms that primarily started off on-prem, or there are platforms that are heavily developer-focused, which are high code. So you can put them in, but you can't take them out very easily. So I would say, Alan, that it depends on what platform you're looking at. According to Gartner's uh, 2021 CIO priority, security is number two on their list for this year and aligns with the CFO's priorities as well. But how does IPaaS then help reduce cybersecurity risks? Sure. So again, let me answer your question on those two same buckets, industry in general and then Boomi. And if I start with Boomi, I think, look, our platform is architected for security, whether you're looking at the security of the data itself, you know, where we've got multiple cautions and precautions and, and safeguards, you know, session tokens, for example, just one example, uh, you know, at the data level, you know, access controls for customers. And then you've got network security. So you've got data level security, you've got application level security, just in the way our platform is architected and then you've got network security to make sure that whether it's data at rest or data in transit it's protected customers can almost take it as a given it's like literally table stakes that and we're super secure at the network level at the application level and fundamentally at the data level here's where it gets more interesting so if you look at our platform what we call our ipass platform we call it sort of integrated experiences it's not enough to just offer customers pre-built connectors even if there are 1500 of them and even if there are sdks for legacy applications so here's what we do as unified experiences and integrated experiences. Number one, let's say we take APIs, Alan, and you know that's that's a big buzzword today in the industry. Everybody's using APIs, uh, you know, to, to connect, for example. If you expose a good API to a bad process, or you expose a good API to bad data at the back end, essentially you've compromised, you know, your, your company and your and your assets. So you can build great APIs, you can publish and catalog great APIs, but if you don't know the provenance of your data, the quality of your data at the back end or the business processes that are you know exposing that data then you've compromised your business so in recognizing this what we do is if you go one step before api management we offer master data hub it's sort of master data management to make sure that you know you have a single source of the truth on your data that you're managing your golden records and you go one step further back from that we offer a data cataloging and prep offering through which you can tell the provenance of your data. You can trace history. You can look at user access. And besides this, we've also got an EDI management product as part of the iPaaS platform, which means that if you're connecting into your supply chain, into your logistics network, we've got that covered too. So not only are we architected, as I said, fundamentally for network security, data security, application security, we've got an integrated experiences platform of multiple components of API management, of DCP, of MDH, which fundamentally reassures 
those uh, you know the security framework if i look at the second bucket so your question generically on ipas ipas platforms in general i mean if everybody follows this architecture i mean you can see you know where this is headed it's security at multiple levels uh, and then on top of that you've got products to ensure that every step of your business process and your business outcomes are double triple assured on security as well that look i can only talk for boomi i'm not sure the whole industry is mature enough yet to offer all parts of that integrated experiences sort of framework on the platform there are many ipass platforms and vendors out there say as an enterprise we pick this one say ipass a from vendor a but we're not happy with the implementation we're not happy with the benefits that we're getting what's the option for the organization how do i move Yeah I mean as I said earlier again depends on the individual you know iPaaS platforms that you pick some are quite difficult to move away from and that's one of the reasons why you know clients have taken such a long time to look at other parts of the market it's like hotel california you can check out anytime you want but you can never leave one of the ways you know to answer your specific question on hey how do you leave is number one if you implement a platform like boomi it's very easy to pick up the skills like i said it's citizen integration it's built on the cloud as well as be- behind your your firewall all on prem you pick it up very very quickly so but one of the ways if you do want to leave you know more complex platforms not the boomi platform is you use systems integration partners who've got the skills and i've got to say some of those platforms which are architected for on prem which are architected to be pretty high code and this unfortunately a few of those can be quite challenging you know to extricate yourself I'm sold to the idea of iPaaS. I'd love to do it, but this is my first time. And again, as I said, there are a lot of vendors out there in the market flashing their brochures and their solutions and giving me demos and all that. And I have a hybrid environment, multiple countries, multiple applications and on-prem and cloud, private and public. What would be the top questions I should be asking the vendors as I try and decide what's the better direction or roadmap for us? the usual i guess high level questions on business because you always start with the business outcomes and then work backwards from there depending on what your business is trying to achieve so are you trying to get to a digital transformation goal you know trying to get your business online in terms of the way you generate revenue by x date or are you trying to resolve very specific discrete problems like hey i want to onboard contractors faster i want to deploy a process faster uh, within my organization what are you trying to achieve so based on that the questions would obviously be different but i guess the first question will be how quickly can i implement this you know which goes to answer the question on how quickly can i achieve my my business outcomes how complex is it to implement this what level of skills do i need do i need phd's you know do i need uh, do i need to employ lots of expensive consultants you know does this become an industry and a team in itself which i've got to spin up within my company which is going to exist for the next 100 years or is this something that i can pick up very quickly as a skill and just maintain uh, you know in in the background with with not you know that much of investment which then if you add all of that up what does that mean in terms of the numbers what is the outlay i'm looking at to get the speed what is the outlay i'm looking at to do this on a relatively lower skill basis and how quickly does it pay back so that in covid constrained times i can go back to my board and my cfo and say hey you wanted us to go faster tick this platform allows me to go faster and in doing so i'm not burning a a hole in your pocket you know it's it's being done for a reasonable capital as well as you know capex as well as opex outlay and then finally make sure there's no hidden surprises so as i've alluded to earlier 
how do you upgrade your product? How do you maintain your product? So if the next version is coming along, is it a silent upgrade in the background? Or am I going to be stiffed with a million dollar upgrade, say 18 months down the line? And how many more skills am I going to need for that? How many more PhDs am I going to do for that? So if I'm going to be employing a, a key SI to implement this, you know, are they going to be doing just this project for the next nine months? Or they, can they do nine different projects and you know, generate a whole lot more value for my enterprise? Oh, you mentioned about citizen development. How do I avoid creating shadow IT sprawl if I have suddenly a large chunk of these business units are starting to develop their own applications, bits and pieces everywhere to help them with their own priority? There's no easy answer for this, right? There's no easy 100% solution to avoiding shadow IT. Let's start with the root cause. Oftentimes, I mean, I'm not making excuses for shadow IT. So first of all, there's got to be good technology governance in an organization to make sure that you catch shadow IT early or you better still, you avoid shadow IT. One of the common reasons for shadow IT is different divisions just get frustrated that maybe IT doesn't deliver what they want fast enough or IT says, hey, I don't have any budget for this or the department themselves realize, hey, I don't have budget for this. How am I going to do this? And that's precisely what IPAS tries to resolve. It gets you to that solution very, very quickly. And at the same time, it can promote a conversation between the business side. The CFO is the approver of budgets and IT to say, hey, we had a business problem. We had a, a business budget issue, which prevented us from doing that. We had a skills issue, which prevented us from going ahead and doing something about that business problem. But look at what, you know, the IPAS platform, you know, can do to solve that. I think Encouraging a conversation between business, finance within business specifically, and IT is one of the ways of avoiding shadow IT. A part of that, as I alluded to, is getting to the root cause of why that shadow IT is spun up in the first place. Invariably, in my experience, it spins up because there's frustrations with budget, timelines, or skills. Any final thoughts on the future of IPaaS in Asia? Yeah, sure. So look, it's it's really taking off. I'm really heartened to you know to, to look at the kind of customers that are flocking to us. I would say, Alan, I guess the number one challenge is just visibility of iPads as a term. As I said, it's pretty common in the US and EMEA. It's just beginning to get visibility here. Within that, I think it's just beginning to get visibility on the technology side, not yet on the CFO and uh, you know business side. I think it's the building of that knowledge on the IT side as well as the business side, the, the knowledge and awareness of IPads. And number two, I think there's an equal amount of evangelizing and awareness, you know, building with the systems integrators. Uh, Alan, you know, you're a veteran of this industry. You know, you've seen everybody goes through these waves of adoption of new technologies. You go through the usual hype cycle of what is this to shock, to slow acceptance, to overhype, to things going off a cliff. And then there's initial resistance. So you were there in Hong Kong, right through the, uh, you know, Hong Kong and Singapore and Southeast Asia through the initial days of the cloud, you know, where there was a little bit of resistance from multiple players, whether it's companies or systems integrators, to cloud catching on. But once cloud catch on and everybody saw the benefits, everybody went in whole hog. I would say that's kind of where Asia is right now with the partner ecosystem. I think there was a little bit of skepticism at the start to say, hey, we've always done bespoke coding or hey, we've always used ESBs or we've always used high code developer focused 
Uh, I think that awareness needs to continue growing, that there's an alternative and then it pays off for everybody in the value chain, uh, for customers, for partners, uh, for independent software vendors that may be feeling the pinch of not being able to implement their SaaS platforms for the reason I outlined earlier. They might not be enough skills to integrate their SaaS platforms with the legacy platforms. If you have an iPaaS like Boomi, you can very easily put in new platforms, whether they be a you know, Workday or an IFS, which is an ERP suite, very easy to put in. You know, if you've got an iPaaS platform to, uh, you know, to connect everything. So the evangelizing is happening. And that's the way I see this industry changing in Asia, the adoption going up. Ajit, thank you for joining us on Podcast for Future CIO. Thank you, Alan. It's been a pleasure talking and uh, been great uh, catching up. Thank you. That was Ajit Miller-Kode, Vice President Asia Pacific and Japan for Bumi on the business value of integration platform as a service or iPaaS. You are listening into Podcast for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now.